Good morning. Good morning. For the fourth time. We've tried to start this like six times and something keeps happening, which is great for my mood today, isn't it? Yeah. It's a little scary. <laughs> I'm a little fired up this morning. So what's going on? <laughs> well, here's, here's my main gig is we live in the United States of America where we have a second amendment rights to bear arms and to shoot, right? We live in Wyoming, hunting and guns is a huge thing here. There are what more guns than there are people here as far as like gun ownership. Yeah. Um, I like guns. I shoot recreationally. I shoot for sport. I hunt. I, we like guns in, in my house. And this morning I went to buy some six, five ammo and I'm at the store and I'm looking and I'm, I'm just looking at the different grains and the, you know, finding the right kind of bullet that I want to shoot, right? To target shoot. And this older gentleman comes up behind me and he stands there and he's looking at me. He's not looking at the wall, which is whatever. I'm just minding my business, doing my thing. And he says to me, are you looking for, you getting ammo for your husband? No. <laughs> oh, you're buying it? Yeah. So I grabbed two boxes of the brand that I wanted and that was all that they had. So I'm continuing to look, I've got two in my hand. And then he goes on and says, you need more than that? And then I turn and I look at him and I said, are you, are you looking for something? And he said, you shoot guns? I said, I do. And he said, well, that's scary. I said, excuse me? He said, women should not have guns. And I said, oh yeah? He goes, yeah, it's just a little, just, it's just a little scary that you're in here getting guns. Okay. I was super offended by that. I mean, rightfully so. For multiple reasons. I'm not a feminist. I'm not like over the top about, you know, like women, you know, whatever. But it really irritates me when men speak like that about women. It really, it really irritates me that there's that assumption, assumption that, Men should be able to hunt, but not women. Men should be able to have guns, but not women. And that women are more crazy than men. And that's what I want to talk about today. So it, it has prompted this entire episode of, of women and guns and our, our level of crazy. Okay? <laughs> so, so bear with me here on this one. <laughs> Usually you, you know, you bring the... Um, the topic and the which is great, but today today I want to take this. I mean, stand with your power. <laughs> okay, I'm Tracy. I'm Samantha. This is a suspended sentence. Here we go. Okay, so women and crime specifically. Okay. Okay. So in the United States, you know this. This is my field, and you know this because I talk about this a lot. Well, everybody knows this, right? The United States imprisons more people per capita than any other country in the world. We have over 2.3 million people in correctional institutions in the United States right now, wow. and millions more that are on probation. To find someone who has not dealt with the criminal justice system in one way or another is very difficult. We, it's ridiculous. Now, historically, with those numbers, statistics and data shows this, proves this, illustrates this. It's not, it's not something that can be debated. African Americans and brown individuals and poor people are way overpopulated in the prison population. 
the African-American population specifically only makes up about 16% of the American population, but it makes up the majority of the prison population. And I'm not going to get into that. I'm not going to, I'm not going to focus on that too much in this episode. We will come back and we will address that um, later in one of the other ones. But just so you know, okay, now compared to men, because this is what I want to talk about today, men versus women and crime and the prison population, compared to with men, women only comprise 7% of the prison population. Wow. Right. But we're the crazy ones. We're the ones who shouldn't have guns. Anyway, don't. <laughs> <laughs> um, and likewise, women make up a smaller percentage, drastically smaller percentage in local jails and other facilities also. Okay. Mm-hmm. So as reflected in the statistics from, um, that we get from the Department of Justice, um, women of color are also overpopulated or overrepresented. Um, African-American women are twice as likely to be incarcerated as white women. And rates of Hispanic women in correctional facilities are 1.4 times higher than those of white. Women in prison are overwhelmingly poor and most living well below the poverty line, which goes for men also. Um, But now... I think that's an issue we all all are very aware of on that topic. Right. How poverty... Poverty and race and... All of that plays as... There's a direct correlation to it, to prison population and crime. And, and it's non-disputable. You cannot... It, it can't be argued. But what do you think, out of, out of that 7% of the prison population, the 5 million people involved in this, what do you think is the crimes, the most common crimes that women commit? Mm, theft. Um, no. Really? It's either drug or property crimes. Hmm. I would definitely would have would have guessed like theft. That would have been my right. Been my guess. Well, that would be like more like probably a misdemeanor unless it's like car. I don't know. Whatever. But it's not. They're not violent crimes. They're not. I mean, the majority of right. Mm-hmm. Um. But here's an also another really interesting statistic is, and this could probably be. You could probably think this naturally, over 60% of imprisoned women are mothers of children under the age of 18. And prior to their arrest, most of these women were the sole caregivers of these children. That's sad. That is sad. That's very sad. Okay, but if we're looking at inmate gender, okay, the number of inmates, um, male to female, and this is just out of maybe like 160,000, okay? 147,000 will be male and females will be right under 11,000. So 93% of the prison population is men, 6% women. Again, but women are crazy, right? <laughs> With mass shootings. There have been approximately 140 mass shootings in the United States between 1990 or 1982 and February of 2023. I'm so worked up. I'm like talking super fast. I'm uh, 140 mass shootings. 135 of those were men. Three were female. Two of those three 
were a man and a girl together, male and female together. So only one mass shooting occurred by a solo female. But you shouldn't have guns. But I should be in the store buying ammunition for my boyfriend or my husband, which I don't have. But, but I should be buying ammunition for him instead of myself because a woman buying ammunition is scary, right? Preach. <laughs> Do you agree or am I just like on a, on no, a kick there? You're, I agree. Now, I'm not saying that, that women don't commit crimes and that there aren't women who do some really horrific things. There are. The, the rates of like filicide, which is death of children by the hands of their mothers, is significant. And these crimes, when they occur, are always super shocking, right? We're always like, what? How did she do that, right? There seems to be... Well, we'll just get into this. I want to talk about today some of the women, <laughs> some of the only cases of women killing people that you can find. Okay. Okay. There's also very few women serial killers. Very few. And most of those, like if you look at like, oh, I'm going to draw a blank on name. The woman, the prostitute that killed the men that she was sleeping I'm with. I'm going to talk about her. Perfect. Okay. Let's get into it. Then. <laughs> okay. You didn't know you were coming to women preach in church today. Did I, you? I, <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. Um, it fires me up though. Like everybody wants to talk about the crazy woman and women being crazy, but nobody wants to talk about the man that made her that way. And again, Gosh. I'm not, I'm not man hating and I'm not like on this feministic role or whatever, but, but it fires me up. And this guy today, like really, well, I mean, in the world that we live in right now, I mean, you can't go a day without checking the news and there not being some horrible story of things like that happening in other cases with a man provoking a woman or I mean or just pushing, pushing until, we until just you just snap, snap and then say that we're crazy <laughs> and that's I mean, look at the tv show snapped I mean right that's what I'm saying like everybody wants to talk about how crazy the woman is but nobody wants to talk about the circumstances that made her that way you know we take a lot a lot before we do what we do the first case is, and I'm horrible with names. Let's just get that out there right now. I'm bad with pronouncing names. I'm horrible with it. So I'm probably going to butcher these names. Oh <laughs> no pun intended. But the first case and the most pro prolific probably is Aline Wormonos. That's what I was thinking about. Yeah. Elaine Wardros. How do you say it? Aline, Elaine Wardros. <laughs> I don't know if you're saying it right either, but she was from Florida and she committed crimes from late 1989 through late 1990. So just a couple years. Um, and I'm not trying to downplay this, but it was, it was a couple years. And she killed seven middle-aged white men. Um, she robbed them all um, and then shot them and then stole their cars. Um, her victims, well, let's, let me talk about, about her before we talk about her victims. She, um, Aline Lee Carol Wormnos was born February 29th, 1956 in Rochester, Michigan. Her father was a convicted, um, was convicted of sexual molestation, um, after her birth. And a few years, um, later he killed himself in prison. So she was just a young child when he, when he killed himself. Um, her mother abandoned her and her brother when they were both really young and she left them with her parents. So her grandparents. 
Um, childhood friends say that um, her grandfather beat her and her grandmother was an alcoholic. At 11, she began trading sexual favors for money, beer, and cigarettes. She had her first and only child at the age of 14. Yeah. 14! I mean, she started sex work at 11 years old. At 11! Like, you have an 11-year-old. I can't even... It's crazy to, like... That makes me physically nauseous. Um, her neighbors said that the father of that baby was a friend of her grandfather's. Oh, gosh. So, wrap your head around that for a second. So, lots of sexual abuse from, I mean, her father, because he was arrested for molestation, correct? Right. Being abandoned by your mom, being, you know, beaten by your grandfather, your grandmother's not, I mean, where's the stability in this girl's life? And again, I'm not making excuses for what she did. Or how is she learning anything different? How, right. And, and trauma changes the chemical makeup of your brain. It's that constant fight, flight, or flee mentality, right? Um, anyway, her child was given up for adoption. Um, and soon after that happened, she began spending more time away from home, either living in the woods or hitchhiking around the country, often under assumed names. She was 14 years old when they finally kicked her out of the house and said, you're on your own. 14 years old. You can't drive a car. You can't get a job. You can't... Rent an apartment. You can't anything. 14 years old, you're on your own. Good luck. By the early 19... or Yeah, 1900s. 1900s. 1980s, after her brother's death from cancer, a, another trauma, she moved to Florida to work as a prostitute. What else is she going to do? Yeah. Um, she f- was frequently in trouble with the law, obviously. That's predictable. For being a prostitute and for other crimes. But by 1991, her record included, among other felonies and misdemeanors, arrest for illegal possession of a firearm, forgery, assault, and robbery. Her associates and law enforcement personnel often described her as erratic and easily angered. Her arrest records noted and described her as, quote, attitude poor. (laughs) Weird. In 1986, she met Tyra Moore at a bar in Daytona Beach, Florida, and they they began an intense romantic relationship. That relationship ended just before her final arrest in 1991. Her relationship with Moore was her second relationship with a woman. Yeah, I was going to say, I think she was a lesbian. Right, right. So sleeping with men for for money. For money, right. Because it's easy. Because that's what drives men, right? Sorry. I'm I'm on it (laughs) today. on one. (laughs) As a prostitute, her clients were mainly middle-aged, low-to-middle-class white men. Which brings us to her victims. Um... The first one, his name was Richard Mallory. He was a shop owner in 1989. I don't know why I can't say dates today. I don't know. 1989. He was 51 years old. He was white. And he picked her up along Interstate 75 in Florida to engage in sex for pay. Um, A deputy found his body several miles away from his abandoned car. He had been shot multiple times in the chest. Second victim, David Spears. The nude body of David Spears, 43-year-old construction worker, was found on June 1st, 1990, in Citrus County. 
He had been shot six times oh, in the wow. torso. That's a lot of anger there, a lot of overkill. Yeah, yeah. Charles Carscott, uh, I can't say that name, C-A-R-S-K-A-D-D-O-N. A few days after Spears' body was discovered, the body of Charles was found, 40 years old, in Pasco County. The part-time rodeo worker had been shot nine times in the chest and stomach. We're upping the, the shot count every time. Right, right. The next victim is Troy Burgess in Marion County. He was a 50-year-old salesman, and on August 4th, 1990, less than a week after he was reported missing, he was found. Even though his body was fairly decomposed, the medical examiner was able to determine that the cause of death was two gunshot wounds to the torso. Okay. Next victim, Charles Dick Humphreys, a retired Air Force major, police chief, and Florida child abuse investigator. Oh, wow. Wow. <laughs> was, was seeking services of a prostitute in Florida. Yeah. His body was found fully clothed and he had suffered multiple gunshot wounds to the head and to, the, and to his torso. His car was later found in Shawnee County. The next victim, Peter Seams, 65 years old, oh, wow. left Central Florida and headed for New Jersey in June of 1990. His car was found in Orange County on July 4th, 1990. His body has never been found, but witnesses described two women that meet their description near um, his car and with him. The next victim is Walter Antonio, Antonio, I'm sorry, the partially disrobed body of Walter Antonio, 62 years old, was found November 19, 1990, in a remote part of Dixie County. He had been shot four times in the back and the head. His car was found five days later. So, I don't know. That's... I don't know. I sometimes wish you guys could see like our faces. I know. And I'm... <laughs> but all of the men who she killed were clients who enlisted her services... But according to her, all of these um, clients turned violent. Now, what violence means to her or the threat of violence could be significantly different to what it might mean to you or I, knowing her trauma, mm -hmm. right? Um, her murders were um, allegedly acts of self-defense, although she later retracted those, those claims. I've watched videos with this woman. Um, she's definitely... Um, I don't want to say crazy. I'm now I'm like, oh, well, I'm about to call a woman crazy. <laughs> She's definitely got some mental health issues, but you can understand. I mean, you can understand how she got there. Yeah. Once you know her story, her, the backstory matters. Well, they say with men, like, you know, head trauma can create like these violence acts and like most serial killers that are men have like head trauma. I feel like the women, it's emotional, physical trauma, like molestation you bet mental abuse physical abuse things like that that really change women right you bet you bet she was arrested for her for these murders in 1991 and she was sentenced to death she was executed by lethal injection in 2022 oh wow i didn't know it was that just last year 
2002. Oh. Me and numbers today. <laughs> I was like, holy cow, she Woo! lived for a really long time. Wow. To this day, she's one of the most culturally relevant serial killers in her history. And she's one of the ones that are like, whoa, a woman did that. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the next one is Lizzie Borden. Oh, don't get me started about Lizzie Borden. <laughs> I, Lizzie, don't think she, I don't think she did it. <laughs> Lizzie Borden took an axe and gave her mother 40 wax. When she saw that she had done, she gave her father 41. That is creepy. That's the chant they used to chant at her. Yeah. At the... At the house i have theories about her I well don't let me tell the story it. first I don't think she did it let me tell the story first give it to me okay while this poem might be not completely factually accurate it's enough to give you an overview of her awful crimes in 1892 that's how far back we have to go to talk about women who do horrific things okay not that women don't do horrific things but that that's how More far back it. yeah In 1892, 32-year-old Lizzie Borden was accused of killing her father and stepmother after both were found murdered with an axe in their home. She was immediately placed as a suspect as as evidence showed she'd burned some of her clothing in the days following the deaths, not to mention she had a strained relationship with both of them. A very public trial followed, while many people assumed Lizzie's guilt She was acquitted of the murders in 1893. The case remains officially unsolved, and the Borden Borden boarding house murders remain a staple of popular and true crime culture today. So tell me, tell me what you. Well, so I've always been really interested in this one because, a, it's old. I love old crimes. It's like I feel like you can get so much more information for from back then from the newspapers and stuff we talked about that like in our first episode mm-hmm. about addresses and all that i want to go stay at the house because you can stay at the house and oh my gosh super haunted um obviously i mean horrible horrible things happened here mm-hmm. um i just think that a lot of really weird things like her uncle staying there the night before and he was having some like beef with the dad i don't know i the maid said she was that lizzie wasn't there when the police say that they were killed, she claims that there was blood on her clothes because she ran in and saw her parents like this and sure. tried to help. And then she was knew that they were thinking she was the one who did it. So she, that's why she said she burned her clothes because she didn't want anything to tie her to that. Sure. I don't know. And her and her sister. And fear and shock makes you do crazy things. Mm-hmm. Crazy, my word today. Like, I hate that word. It makes you do things that you would not rationally do rationally do yeah and i mean after she was acquitted her and her sister moved back into the house for until they died oh my gosh Um, i mean they got the money they got all this the reason people say that she did do it is because her dad was threatening to take her off of like her will and stuff and saying she either needed to get married or she needed to find her own way instead of just living off of daddy's money and so Mm -hmm. some people say because she was in her 30s which back then you're an, You're an old, old maid. maid. Yep. You so, gotta have a man. Gotta to have a man to see? support you. There, see? And so I don't know. It could be. I don't think it is. I think more probable cause is probably the uncle who is mad, but it's one that's gonna 
die with Lizzie, I think. So maybe we can... Or did die with... Yeah. Yeah. So maybe we should go stay at the That'd house. be interesting. I, I'm into that. I'm, I'm down for that. The original couch is still there, which is super <laughs> creepy. That is creepy. So, I mean, I'd be down to, like, paranormal investigate a little bit. I <laughs> love it. Okay, the next one. Bell Guineas. Do you know this one? I don't think so. Okay, maybe you will once I once I say it. Okay. It's her nickname was Hell's Bell. Oh, yeah. Okay, there we go. Okay. So Bell Guineas was a violent murderer who may have slain a total of around 40 people, including her husbands <laughs> and children. Oh, up and down. God, that's funny. I don't know why I laugh at husbands, but children, <laughs> children is where I draw the line, okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Up and down the um, Illinois and Indiana. So she was a Norwegian immigrant who came to America in 1881 in search of wealth. In 18, oh my gosh, with numbers, <laughs> 1884, she married her first husband and he quickly died of heart failure. Oh. A second husband followed along with a baby daughter, both of whom suffered the same. Hmm. She did she used to have the nickname like the Black Widow Grandma or something? I don't know. She began posting Lonely Hearts columns in yeah. local magazines. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, we're talking about the same. <laughs> so one. so it would be I guess Lonely Heart columns for people who aren't over thirty would be, um, you know now there's dating sites and stuff that you can put your profile up on. Well, back then, you'd put a column or an advertisement in the paper saying oh, <laughs> single white male or single white female or single black whatever in search of whatever. And that's how you would get dates and people would respond to your ad. Seems like a really good way to get like murdered. Hello. Yes, <laughs> it is. But that was, that's, I mean, that would be the equivalent of it, right? Mm -hmm. so, so that's what the Lonely Hearts columns were. That's what that means. Um, but she would began posting in these columns in local magazines and papers to entice men to her farmhouse. Once there, she would take their money and kill them. Hmm. It was only after her farmhouse burnt down that the authorities discovered the bodies of 40 men and children. 40? 40. Oh my gosh. Mysteriously, she vanished, never to be heard from again. In 1908... One of her farmhands revealed that the whole arson incident, incident had been planned and she fled with the money. Okay, so let me, let me just say this for a second. Is the reason, because I can, I can hear people saying this in my head, right? I'm always like looking objectively at every situation. Is it that women don't commit the crimes or is it that we're just smart? <laughs> Getting away with things. Not that I think that it's smart, to put the bodies under your farmhouse. Or, I mean, to commit murder in general. I mean, yes, but I'm just saying, <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, you know. If you're going to commit the crime, men seem to get caught significantly more than women do. Right. Ego. <laughs> okay, the next one. Myra Hindley. Oh, okay. She had a partner. Yep. Ian Brady. Yep. Yep. And she, she was... England? She was one half of the infamous... Moore's Murders from Manchester, UK. Oh, I hate this case. You do? Oh, it's so sad. <laughs> so between 1963 and 1965, Ian Brady and Myra Hindley abducted and killed a total of five children or teenagers 
stabbing or strangling them and burying their bodies on the Manchester moors. Mm -hmm. The killers regularly returned to the burial sites to pose for photo for photographs. The photos were really, really creepy. What so the hell? So if you're going to Google, don't because you are going to see these images and they're really graphic. graphic. They're really, yeah. They were caught in October 1965, both sentenced to life in prison, <clears throat> narrowly missing the death penalty due to it being abolished that same year. A mountain of evidence confirmed their guilt, including 16-minute tape of them torturing one of their victims. Mm -hmm. The case became one of the most widespread murder cases in, U in UK history, and still to this day, Myra Hindley is considered to be the gold standard, standard of evil women in the UK. She passed away in 2002 from a brain aneurysm. Yeah, they were horrible, 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 horrible people. They would ask for kids to be like, oh, we'll give you a ride home if you can just help us move something real quick. And these kids were, they'd be like, we'll give you five bucks. And in the 60s, are like, five bucks. Like, right. Lure them out there. That's awful. That's Ugh. awful. It's a horrible, horrible case. Horrible case. The next one, Jane Tupan. I don't know that one. Also known as Jolly Jane. Mm -mm. You don't know this one. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> you found one I don't know. Due to her jolly attitude and kind demeanor, she was named Jolly Jane. You know this one. She was a nurse who moved her way through families through New England. I don't know this one. I, I believe you've told me about this case before. Quite mysteriously, many of her patients died under her care. Unbeknownst to the families of her patients, Tupan was injecting lethal amounts of morphine to them for experimental purposes. After an entire family was wiped out under her care, authorities became suspicious and carried out autopsies of all of the victims. There, they discovered the true extent of her activities. Over the course of 20 years, she carried out at least 31 murders, although she confessed to killing somewhere in the region of 70. Oh, gosh. Right. You don't know that one. I don't know that one. The only one I know of, I can't remember. I'm not going to remember her name off the tip of my head. Um, it was a Hispanic woman in California that was running a social security scam. And she'd bring in adult people that had social security. And uh -huh. that's what she was doing is she was killing them and then still collecting social security checks. That's a trend, trend too. I feel like caregivers. Yes. Women yeah. caregivers. Especially yes. if there's social security and they're made... Yeah, money the, is... What yeah. is it? The guardian of it? Uh-huh. Yeah. The payee? The payee. If they're uh -huh. the payee, they just kill them and don't have to share that money and collect right. as many people as they want. Yeah, as long as they don't get caught. If they get caught, and Social Security does yeah. checks on a regular basis. So, I mean, I don't know. Okay, next one. Juana Barraza. No? <laughs> Dubbed as the old lady killer. Oh my gosh, I you. you're on a run. I'm doing great today. I'm going to have to hang up my like true crime enthusiast hat. I know. I this is embarrassing. Guaranteed you're going home tonight and googling. <laughs> <laughs> okay, she was a professional wrestler and serial serial Oh my gosh, serial killer from Mexico City, Mexico. Between 1998 and 2006, 16 elderly women were found strangled to death throughout Mexico City. All of the victims were over the age of 60, 
lived alone, and were specifically targeted by her. She would knock on their doors and pretend to be a government worker. Once she gained the trust of the victim, she would attack and strangle them with phone cables or items of clothing. She was apprehended in 2006 and sentenced to a staggering 759 years in prison, where she remains to this day. Wow, she's still alive? Yes. Her motivation to kill stems from her hatred of her mother, who allowed men to rape her as a child. Oh, wow. Right. People that reminded her her, of her mother? Yep. Yep. The next one, Rose West. What is happening right now? (laughs) I don't like this game. You don't know any of these. I am doing great. I started out so strong. I I was going to say I'm killing it today, but that would be inappropriate. I'm oh my not. gosh. Well, it's said. It's out there. It's oh. said. Along with her husband, Fred, the Wests were serial killer duo, were a serial killer duo who committed a series of heinous acts, including several killing several children of their own. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Between 1967 and 1987 in England... Fred and Rose West ran what later became known as the House of Horrors. The home was a den of domestic violence, cruel beatings, incest, torture, and murder. After police were tipped off that West's own daughter, the real extent of their crimes became known. What? That didn't even make sense. Nine of nine sets of human remains were discovered in the West Garden. Oh, I do know this one. Yeah, I okay, knew you yeah, did. you needed the garden. Uh, <laughs> more bodies then turned up around the area, including the West's previous home, where pl- police found the bodies of Fred's stepdaughter in a nearby field and the remains of Fred's ex-wife and mistress. Both Fred and Rose were found guilty and sentenced to life in prison, where Rose remains to this day. She denies any involvement in the murders, although there exists a good amount of evidence and witness testimony saying that she she did do it. Mm-hmm. She was a part of it. You see with these duos that they always are like, no, I had nothing to do with this. I'm an innocent bystander. Right. That's like, there's so many cases, especially when they're buried at your house and they're like, I had no, what? My husband I had was no doing idea. What? I don't know what a dead body smells like, but like, I know what dead animals smell like. And I can't imagine that they smell that different. Right. And How do you not know that there's a bunch of people buried in your yard? Seriously. Unless you've got one hell of a yard. I don't know. Amelia Dreyer. Oh, I love the confusion on your face. She was another nurse and a midwife that turned baby baby farmer and serial killer. I do not like crimes against children. So these crimes that women commit against kids, I I mean, I don't like crimes in, you know, but... Kids, ah, she operated in she operated in Britain during mid to late eighteen hundreds. Baby farming was a lucrative trade in the Victorian area. For fee carers would adopt unwanted children under the pretense of looking after them, but would actually mistreat them and often murder them. Mm. This was Dreyer's M.O. taking in babies and then starving them to death, allowing her to pocket the fees for her supposed care work. Mm. Later. Dreyer progressed to faster methods of killing, allowing her to pick up more cash. A local doctor became suspicious of the number of deaths under her care and ordered an inquest. 
Eventually, the remains of a number of murdered infants were found in her home, and she was hanged for her crimes in 1896. Ugh, little babies. Yeah, that's a special place reserved in hell for her. Joanna Dahini. She is unique in that her murders weren't motivated by finance, revenge, or to ease her life. She killed because she liked it. Oh. Right. In 2013, 31-year-old Johanna, I'm not saying her name right, D-E-N-N-E-H-Y, stabbed three people to death and wounded one more within mere days of each other in the United Kingdom. Her first victim lured her, her first victim she lured into her home, blindfolded him under the pretense of a sex game, and stabbed him to death. Two more victims were murdered in the same manner only 10 days later. Oh, quick. She was easily discovered and she pled guilty to all three murders and two further attempted murders. She was sentenced to life in prison, making her one of two living women to be serving life sentences in Britain, the other one being Rose West. Wow. Yeah. Um, I can't say that name, and I'm not even going to try. Do you know it? Dorothina Punte? Punte? I don't know. Much like Lizzie Borden, she also ran a boarding house. But there's no mystery about what was, who was responsible for the, time, for the crimes that took place in hers. Known as the Death House Landlady. This is who I'm talking about. Okay. And California? It be yeah, Sacramento, California. Yes, the social security scam. Oh, nice. Okay. I mean, you know. Her killing spree began began around nineteen eighty-two after she began renting her apartment in Sacramento, California. She would take in elderly men and sometimes drug addicts, wear them down with sleeping pills, and then suffocate them. Afterwards, she'd cash their, cash their social security checks and pocket the money. Police were alerted to the property after a local disabled man was reported missing. Then they found seven bodies on the property, and she was charged for nine in total. Yeah, the guy that tipped that the social worker went to investigate on was, like, the sweetest, like, little guy, too. Really? Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of video of him. There's, I think there's a, it's a Netflix show called, um, like, Horrible Roommates or something. Mm -hmm. And they did an episode on her, and... They have lots of video of him, and he was, like, the sweetest little guy. Really? Yeah. That's awful. Pulls at your heart. Nanny Doss. Mm. Oh, I'm going to have to give you my notes. You're going to be up all night researching <laughs> and learning. She was, well, it's, it's Nancy Hazel, but she went by Nanny Doss, or people dubbed her Nanny Doss. She was a serial killer responsible for the deaths of 11 people over a 30-year period, including her parents, and her children. Oh, wow. I do not understand filicide. Again, filicide is death of children by their mother. I, single mother of five kids, talk to me about stress and pressure. And there are times, as every parent, we don't like our kids. They're, you know, they're disrespectful, they're assholes, they're, you know, I, all of those things. I cannot ever imagine killing my children. 
My question, though, not in all cases, but, like, in some of them where it's, like, back-to-back, back-to-back kids, where they're, like, 18 months between them, do you wonder if it might be a hormone imbalance that's causing, like, severe postpartum depression plus with... Or psychosis, yeah. Or break from... Absolutely. Because you do see that a lot with moms that have, like six kids and they're like boom 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 kids your hormones don't have a chance to level out you bet and and it brings us to this conversation about mental health in the united states mm-hmm. i mean it's it's not taken seriously it's socially not acceptable or it's viewed as an excuse or, or there's so much yeah or you look weak more so with men than with women I think I think that it's it's definitely men are not allowed to be weak. Men are not allowed to have depression, anxiety, whatever. They're supposed to be. No, I mean I really I'm not I'm not a fem I'm not like hardcore whatever. Like, but crime in women is different, right? I mean I don't hate men. I'm not a man hater. I'm not. That's not. I don't want anybody to think (laughs) that. Um, But definitely when it comes to mental health, men are getting the short end of the stick more than anybody, Mm -hmm. right? And honestly, sexual crimes too. A little boy or a man can't go and say, they can and they should, but they don't, right? Because there is this huge stigma associated with sex crimes and, and boys, Yeah. right? A little boy goes and gets molested or sexually assaulted or whatever, and people find out, we know the names that he's going to be called, we know... It, it happens. Should it be like that? No. But it does bring up the fact of mental health crisis. There are not... How much does it cost to go to a therapist? I mean, if we're paying cash or with insurance. Right. And, and what insurance covers mental health? Very little. Very few. Mm-hmm. And if they do, you have to buy a separate policy for it. Therapist appointments are expensive. You're going to pay anywhere from $90 to $250 an hour. Yeah. An hour to go and talk to somebody. And we all know it's going to take several months of visits once a month or twice a month in order to even get to a point where, where you're going to get somewhere with it, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's something that definitely needs to be addressed, I think, but I, but yes, I agree with you that it does have, I think that that does have a lot to do with it. Um, sorry, wait, side, side. Sorry, I got you sidetracked. Right. Nanny Doss. Okay, like a lot of women murderers, she favored poison to dispatch her victims. Dispatch her victims. I hate the wordage here. Her murders were that of her own children, whom her husband returned home one afternoon and found, just found them dead. In a similar fashion, relatives of Doss continued to pass away under suspicious circumstances until a local doctor ordered an autopsy of the recently deceased. Soon, it came to light that they all had traces of arsenic in their system. In total, it was discovered that she had killed four husbands, two children, two sisters, her mother, two grandkids, and a mother-in-law. Holy cow. What? Wow. Seriously? You come home from work and all of your kids are just dead and you're not like, what the hell? 
I, maybe, I don't know, it's 1920, so was that a thing? Like nobody asks questions? Good night. Okay, <laughs> I feel bad just jumping like next to next. The Black Widow, mm. you were talking about her. She was a devious serial killer who murdered her husband, son, and boyfriend over the scan of 12 years. In 1963, she married her husband, James Goodyear. Over the next eight years, she gradually slipped arsenic into his meals until the poison gradually wore his body down. He died in 1971, allowing her to collect a large insurance payout. The next year, she met a boyfriend, Bobby Morris. After taking out a series of life insurance policies on him, she, oh my gosh, he began to suffer the same symptoms that her husband did. In 1977, he endured the same fate. Finally, in 1980, she did the same thing to her son, Michael. After being weakened by the poison, she took Michael out rowing and capsized the boat. Michael took, <laughs> was too weak to keep himself afloat and he drowned. Wow. What the hell? Her crimes were uncovered in 1984. She was sentenced to death and she was executed in the electric chair in 1998, making her the first woman to be executed in Florida in 150 years. Wow. Yeah. Amy Archer Gillian. I feel like I know that, but... The angel of death. Oh, okay, there you go. <laughs> the Harold Shipman of her day. She ran a nursing home in Windsor, Connecticut, and used her medical role to kill off elderly women and men for profit. Gillian began or opened up her care home in 1901, and over the ensuing 13 years, she married five different male residents all of whom died shortly after she married them. After ensuring their lives, Gillian would use arsenic to gradually poison her lovers. When they passed away, she would collect the insurance payout. Furthermore, a number of elderly women died under Gillian's care too, many of which named Gillian as their beneficiary in their will in the months prior to the deaths. In total, 48 victims. Holy cow. Isn't that crazy? That's, crazy. Yeah. There's that word again. So who was the most prolific female serial killer in U.S. history? Aline Warmnos, mm -hmm. right? Killing seven men during her, her killing spree. Her life and crimes are the most culturally significant of all time. Well, she's in like so much. You hear that name so much. Yep. TV shows, movies. Yep. Well, her victim count isn't the highest, she is the most famous of all female killers due to the sheer number of books, documentaries, and films that cover her story. Yeah. Now, who do you know who the first female serial killer in the United States was? Hmm. Not off the top of my head. Lavinia Fisher. She was considered to be the first woman serial killer in the U.S., reportedly active during the 1800s. She was a South Carolina serial killer who would lure men into the inn that she ran with her husband. There she would poison her guests' tea to weaken them, then her husband would kill them. Oh, yeah, I do know. I wonder what the motive was behind that. Probably money. They probably robbed probably. them. 
What do you think is the most common motivation for female serial killers? I mean, you've said it several times, but money. Money, money, money. Financial gain is the most common motivation for female killers. Shortly following financial is revenge, followed by thrill-seeking. Very few women, other than just a handful, kill out of lust or sexual deviance. So how many female serial killers do you think there are? In history, not just like right now. 110. There are 60. Oh, so off. <laughs> notorious female serial killers in the United States history. Currently, there are no women serial killers active that we know of. Estimates suggest that only one girl serial killer is, oh my gosh, one girl serial killer is operating in the country at any one time. Hmm. Out of millions of people. Or one. are we just smart enough? Or, right. So why? Why are female serial killers so rare? This is, this is what we think. They are rare because they are not motivated by the same factors that male serial killers are. Women kill for financial gain or to, prove, or to improve their lifestyle, and they tend to target people who are close to them. Interesting. So a great more, I guess, a great deal of manipulation. Well, and we now like think I think it probably is down because it's way easier to get money from men it I is there's sugar daddies i mean there's people selling pictures of their feet on the internet if women want money like it's, it's not there. hard to it's get not that hard to just con men into it that sounds not horrible con like, them. it's not like, it's not conning them it's sex uh, the things that men will do for the attention of females mm-hmm. is absolutely reckless mm-hmm. so you don't have to kill you don't have to. Thank God. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Well, thanks for everybody for bearing with me through my negativity and my poor attitude today. It there's, was entertaining. There's my rant. There's my thing. It was interesting being on this side. I feel like I still like. You're afraid to say anything because you're like, ah, I did get my ammo. I am going shooting. And here's another little fun bit and little Fun fact to throw out there, women are actually better target shooters than men, statistically, (laughs) because we are more detail-orientated, focused, we slow down better, and we are better sharpshooters than men are. You're going to piss off a bunch of men saying that? No, men who actually shoot and who actually like do the sport, they know that. They know that. They're not threatened by that. They encourage women to shoot. They encourage women to be strong, independent, responsible gun owners. Keyword, responsible gun owners. Responsible gun owners. Absolutely. Thank you for joining in. Thanks for joining us. We'll see you next week. Um, We did get our Instagram up and running. Oh, that's right. So it is just our name, the Suspended Sentence Podcast. You can just search that in Instagram and you will find us. We also got our email running. Same thing, the suspended sentence podcast at gmail.com. If you have anything you want to hear, any questions you have for us, anything you want us to talk about, shoot us an email and we'll get rocking. And we'll get on it. Or if you're just mad about my, my or if you just want to tell us that you hate us and don't want to listen to us anymore, I mean, 
we'll take the good with the bad. <laughs> All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you.